brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. have risen from the podcasting grave the purple dinosaur podcast uh, returns <laughs> returns hello don't, don't call it a comeback we've been here for one and a half years has it been that long wow. yeah can you believe that wow hey well, hi i'm hey, tyler i'm tyler mon and i'm anthony Masters. hey and welcome hey. back it's the purple dinosaur podcast episode number 62 we made it. We made it through the uh, through the fall, sort of. Um, yeah, we. Uh, this is our second episode since mid September. Um, but to be fair, like we, it's not like we were just like the podcast, baseball, whatever. Yeah. So like, let's kind of lay out where we've been over the last what six weeks or so, two months, I guess. So in late October, I was in Kansas City and New York for the World Series. About ten days later. I was in Charleston, South Carolina for five days. About four days later, I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma for Thanksgiving. Stillwater, uh, also the name of the band and almost famous. Yes. Fever I, I thought about that entire time I was there. Scratching at my back door. That's all you can do when you're in Stillwater, Oklahoma <laughs> Thanksgiving is think about the movie Almost Famous. And then we were... Yeah, Your picture from uh, the airport on the morning of Thanksgiving or whenever you left to go to Stillwater was the <laughs> was saddest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. You standing alone in an empty baggage claim. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving. Guys. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> oh, But a week later, I was in Fort Collins and then back and forth with L.A. with you know between all that time. So I, I spent at least two days – there was a week and a half span where I spent at least two days in every time zone in the lower 48, which I've never done before, and it does weird things to your body. Yeah. Like, I have it's... webbed feet now. Okay. Like a duck. Kind of. I have gills. Um, I'm now amphibious. I, uh, yeah, I also, I, I feel like, 
I still don't really know where I am. Like, I wake up at weird times now. I, you know, like one of those things where you've been so all over the place that you don't, I don't even know when I'm going to, like, return to normalcy with that. So I, I hear, I feel you. I feel yeah, you. because you, you were an international travel Yeah, man. you got to go everywhere. Like, you covered all of these time zones. Yes. Um, I covered, so I went to Phoenix, uh, covered the Arizona Fall League for the first week in November. And then I went to Taiwan for like 12 days um, to broadcast the World Baseball Softball Confederation Premier 12 tournament, which was really, really cool. Um, that came up on super short notice, and you may have seen me tweeting about it and posting pictures and stuff, and, and that was awesome. And to those of you who tuned into those games, you guys are the coolest. Like the people who were like waking up, getting ready for work or whatever, and like tuned in and tweeted at us on the PDP or tweeted at me that you were watching you guys are amazing um and so that was a ton of fun like that was a really really neat thing to be a part of um and that was like i think i was there for like 12 days in taipei um got the tournament through the quarterfinals and then the tournament moved to tokyo for the semifinals in the championship the u.s ended up getting silver uh south korea won the gold uh and then i came back i was home for three days and then i went to new york for like two weeks for thanksgiving and um yeah, the entire when I got home, my calendar in my office was still on October. I spent like three nights in my own bed from yeah. Halloween until like December fifth. Woo! Yeah. We have had quite the last yeah couple of months we have the two of us. And I mean, I I'm now famous. Obviously, I was called the greatest voice in America by Colin Coward. So you know, yep, whatever. And yep. I'm just saying, I. Uh, I might be getting a little bit too big for this free podcast. You got a solid derp face as your uh, your Twitter picture now. I sure do. It's, it's a good um, one. Yeah, no, you uh, yeah, you gained some. Well, you gained some Twitter fame and lost. Like, we'll we'll put that out there. Like, you lost you lost the showdown. You know um, what? I I think I won by I losing. Know. If you catch my drift, uh, I, I think uh, I think I was able to sh- to showcase the world what I can do. And, you know uh, who says that? Losers. That's what you know. Well, I you know, I ran a good campaign, and I think that I that I deserve better. And I mean, we're not going to stop until we count every ballot. Um, but uh, I think hanging I think we chads. Yeah, we we got to count all the hanging chads. So that's all I'm saying. So it, it's going to be a little bit of a process. Just bear with us over the next couple of weeks and months and years. Um, but we will figure out who actually won the voiceover battle between me and Christine Leahy. Colin was like uncomfortably in love with you. Like it, like it, <laughs> the, the sexual tension was so pronounced. It was palpable. Um, yeah, yeah. It was very, it was very heavy. It was very, but, you heavy. know, I was flattered. I was definitely flattered. Um, yeah, no, he was a big fan. He was a big fan of yours. Um, no, that was so cool seeing our, our little pal, our little buddy, Anthony Masterson on, uh, on national television. It was, um, it was fun how it worked out. I did not expect to be on television. That morning when I woke up at 5.30 to stumble into work because I was so exhausted and you know, I didn't find out I was going to be on television until two minutes before we actually went on air. And then I had to sit there and wait for two and a half hours until it actually happened because, man, it was, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking. It was, it was my first national television experience. Our, the new president of our network was just standing right there down behind one of the cameras watching, and it was – it was it was interesting to say the least. When are they going to um, bring on the PDP as a nationally televised hour? 
God, how awful would that be for the rest of America? All right, everyone, buckle up. <laughs> Colorado Rockies talk coming your way. Here's a story about Ellis Burks. <laughs> You're not going to believe this Get story excited. on Yorvi Torrealba. Oh, Yorvi. Um, I, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. It was awesome seeing you on there. Um, I, uh, the, the whole last month, like, I, when we tweeted out yesterday... And you're well. Here's what we got coming up on the show today. Um, yesterday we tweeted out, "Hey, we are going to do an episode tomorrow," and then like ten minutes later, this Diamondbacks dra- Braves trade went down. So you're welcome. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the Jason Mott and Chad Qualls signings. We're going to talk about cargo, maybe some landing spots for cargo, um, and uh, we'll answer your Ask PDP questions. Uh, but yeah, like the last month, we tweeted yesterday, "Hey, we're going to do an episode tomorrow." And people responded and were like, no, it's been too long. I can't actually believe no, you that you're going to do one. And I was like, it hasn't been that long. And then I looked and saw that we had done one episode since the middle of September. Yeah, that's just kind of who we are. Oh, well. We're cool that way. I think so. Okay, let's uh, let's dive in then. Um, let's go with the big breaking news of the last 24 hours in the baseball world, which is, of course, the Rockies signing Chad Qualls and Jason Mott. Um, woo Chad Qualls? Uh, uh, famous major league veteran for uh, fist bumping and falling down off the mound for the Marlins three years ago. One of my favorite gifts that exists currently on the internet. Uh, last season, spent it with the Houston Astros, actually parts of the last two years, or all of the last two years of the Houston Astros. Uh, Jason Mott, who is still somehow only 33. Jason Mott feels like That's he's been in baseball for a thousand years. Yeah. He didn't debut until he was 26. But remember how unbelievably good he was that first year, 2008 with the Cardinals? Yeah. 12 appearances, a 0.82 ERA. Um, he was like one of those guys who were like, oh, here's the next Cardinals dominant guy. Uh, and then, you know, he turned into a very, very good, steady reliever for the Cardinals. Last yeah. season with the Chicago Cubs, made 57 appearances out of the bullpen. That was his most since 2012. Obviously missed all of 2013. But last year, 8-1 and one out of the bullpen, which is ridiculous. Hashtag pitcher wins. And a 3.91 ERA. Your thoughts on these signings? Because obviously we got the whole, oh, look at the Rockies. Everybody else is doing big stuff. Rockies are signing scrubs for the bullpen. I kind of like these signings. I mean, it's... They're trying to get guys who have been in late late in games and pitch well. Chad Qualls has made at least, what, 58 appearances each of the last season since 20, 2010. The last time he made less than that was 2009. He made 51 appearances. So he's a guy who doesn't get hurt a lot. He is somebody who is dependable in the back end. He didn't have an amazing year last year, but he's getting older. He's going to be 38 next year. Um, but he's been a guy who can, you can eat some innings in the back end of the bullpen. Which is uh, he's like the Kyle Kendrick of the bullpen. No, I'm kidding. He's much better than that. But he had, last year he posted a 3.33, or I guess two years ago now, 3.33 ERA in 58 appearances. Actually saved 19 games in 25 appearances for the Astros two years ago. So he does have that experience if you need to step from to step up for a couple of games. But he's a guy who's, who's pitched for the last so 12 years in the big leagues. He has pitched in the postseason before. Not that the Rockies are pitch, make, making a pitch in the postseason, but I don't know. It, it was a they're not paying anything for these guys, really. I don't see why the problem is for getting a guy like Chad Qualls and Jason Mott last year. You know, even through the arm troubles, he's shown that he can get guys out still. ERA under four. Uh, he pitched at 57 games last year, which is a big step for him, considering he missed the entire 2013 season and about half of 2014 as well. So you know, he also saved six out of seven games last year, too. And 
really, depending on the health of Adam Adovino coming into spring training next year, we're not really sure who's going to be pitching in the ninth inning at this point, I don't believe. So just getting guys options, getting, you know, backloading your team with guys who have been able to get outs late in games and who know how to pitch in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, I don't think that's a problem, especially when you're not paying anything for them. This isn't a Boone Logan situation. These The Rockies didn't overpay for any of these guys, but they're, they've been solid, dependable guys, and I think it's... I think they're fine signs considering the Rockies really don't intend to be contenders in 2016, if I had to guess, considering what the rest of the league is doing. Well, I think, um, you know, what we've seen a lot in, in recent seasons is that the new inefficiency is building that strong bullpen. Like, that's the way that teams have built every team in the postseason this year. It seemed like it followed that model. And Every team in the postseason also seems to come up with those acquisitions of guys who kind of come off the scrap heap and turn in outstanding seasons. The Rockies looked so brilliant for the John Axford signing for the first three months of last year, obviously, until he ran into a really, really troublesome spot. But those are the moves that have made teams really successful in recent seasons. You know, I think what what you noted and what always it comes back to with the Rockies is you're not spending a ton of money on these guys. Um, Chad Qualls got two years and $6 million. Like that's, that's nothing. Jason Mott got two years and $10 million in major league baseball these days. That's nothing. Uh, So I don't really see any way that this is a negative for this team. And I think you get two guys with considerable major league success who now get to, kind of be the mentors of a bullpen that's going to rely on some really young power arms for conceivably the next few years. They can keep right. all these guys together. But Jairo Diaz was so good when he came up. Uh, Miguel Castro, we talked about initially when the Rockies acquired him that they were going to possibly move him back to being a starter. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So I like that. I like that about this deal. I like that you bring in two guys. And Jason Mott, I mean, for whatever it's worth, and, and we've mocked this from time to time, but it also is a, a big thing from time to time as well. But Jason Mott is a character guy, is a fantastic dude to have in that clubhouse. Um, he's one of those guys who sets a very professional tone and is a very good ambassador for any team. Um, he's one of the most beloved guys just among players in all of baseball. So I like that part of it also. Yeah, and he's got a beard game that's on point. His beard game is, like, almost unrivaled in baseball. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. No, and J- Jason Moss, he's done a lot of work in the charity world with his K-Cancer. Um, I believe that was one of his his big things there. So, you know, he's he really does – I mean, that, that's a huge thing. Yeah, Strikeout Childhood Cancer is his, is his huge thing, Jason Mott Foundation. Um, so uh, I think this is a great signing for the Rockies, honestly. And it's, it's a low – Low rent signing, it's not going to get a lot of headlines, but these are the signs they have to make right now. These are the signs that can help shore up a bullpen that was pretty terrible last year. And I don't see why people would be upset about going out and getting guys that have had proven major league success at the back end of games. I really don't understand that. Yeah, I don't know, because people so, will bitch and complain. Because well, okay, well, well, no, let's, let's go into it. Here is why people are so upset, because they see what the rest of the division is doing. Now, over the last two off seasons, now we can safely say that every team in the NL West has made a serious run to try to improve their team or at least try to change the dynamic in their locker room, except for the Colorado Rockies. They had the Padres do it all last year when they made all those moves that just totally, totally backfired on them. And now this offseason, we're seeing the Dodgers, the Giants, and especially the Diamondbacks going for 
a run at the at the World Series title, and or at the very least, a run at shaking up a, a clubhouse dynamic that maybe was stagnant a little bit. I mean, we saw the Dodgers jettison their manager. They saw them lose Zach Greinke. Then you know, the Diamondbacks went out and signed Zach Greinke. They went and traded for uh, Shelby Miller by mortgaging basically their entire future. Which they had like the already done in other trades, by the way. Yeah, and, the Bronson Royal for Tuki Toussaint deal. Right, and then the Giants in turn signing Jeff Samarja, and they've been on, in talks with pretty much every other major free agent on the market right for now. 90 for $90 million, million for a guy dollars. who led the American League and runs allowed last year. $90 million. The most guaranteed money ever given out in an NFL contract is $65 million. Jeff Samarja is coming off a season when he went 11-13 and 13 with a 4.96 ERA, allowed 228 hits, league high, 118 earned runs, league high, 29 home runs, league high, a 1.294 whip, that's the worst in his career since 2013, and gets $90 million coming off the back of it. Play baseball, kids. Holy God. Like, yeah. that... At some point, you think, like, that bubble's going to burst eventually, right? Well, but it, ha- it doesn't. It hasn't. It hasn't. And money's still pouring in with TV contracts and everything. So, hey, well, if you can do it, man, go for it. And that's that's my take on the Diamondbacks. Here's what I think. They're Diamondbacks, doing, by the way, just signed a $1.5 billion yes. TV contract ahead of last season. And the Rockies are still stuck with their just awful, awful TV contract for at least one more year, I believe, if not more. I think it's 20... I think it's even is more it, than that. I think it's 2017 or 2018. Woof. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we, we know the D-backs hate their first-round picks. I mean, they traded Dansby Swanson and Aaron Blair. Dansby Swanson was the number one overall pick of last year's draft, of 2015. And they traded their supplemental first-round pick of 2013, also in this trade, in Aaron Blair. Three first-round picks. All of them. Yeah, they tra- they traded their 2014 first round pick Tuki Tucson this past year to the Braves in a salary dump deal. Basically, they they traded their third overall pick in 2011, Trevor Bauer, uh, a year and a half later to the Indians. He was a third overall pick. So they hate their first round picks. That's that's clear. But what they're trying to do right now, in my opinion, is that they are trying to go for it in the prime of Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is one of the best players in all of baseball. And I think Tony La Russa and Dave Stewart saw a window where Goldschmidt still signed for almost nothing. He signed a very team-friendly deal after his first year. And I think they, they want to keep him in Arizona for a while. But they, they know that they have a window with him. They have a window for any player, any star player has a prime. And they want to try to go for it while he is performing at elite levels. And last year, they saw A.J. Pollock take the next step and become one of the more valuable players in baseball. He had a very good offensive season. His defense is also fantastic as well. I mean, he's had you know, one good year. We'll see how he bounces back this year when people are kind of gunning for him. But David Peralta also had a great year. And now they're, they have a top three in their rotation of Zach Greinke, Patrick Corbin, and Shelby Miller. And not to mention Ruby De La Rosa at a number four. And then they can throw in Archie Bradley, Archie Bradley. at number five. That is a very, very good starting rotation to go along with three pretty good, if not elite, pieces in their offense. Now, obviously, they still have holes in certain places. The middle infield is is fairly weak. Um, you know, the corner outfield spots, the other one besides Peralta, who knows? But the catcher is not really great right now, considering Peter O'Brien just can't can't play catcher. Um, so 
I think that is where I see them going for it. I even saw Dave Stewart on High Heat this morning when you were waiting to get on. I, I wouldn't turn on otherwise, but I wanted to see what was happening. And Dave Stewart was talking to Chris Russo, who was just, you know, babbling yelling, and control. Yelling for no reason. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, Russo was like, well, Dave, you know, you, you saw the win-loss record for Shelby Miller last year. It was 6-17. and 17. Are you worried about that? And Dave Stewart's like... He has, by the way, Dave Stewart has a very much higher voice than I thought he did. Yeah. Remember that um, time he almost killed us at Salt River yeah. Fields? Yeah. So, and Dave Stewart was like, no, you know, we, we saw that he had the worst run support in all of baseball last year. And we looked at his ERA, his home run rate, and we thought that, okay, this guy can fit in our ballpark. And I was like, wow, Dave Stewart, that's good. And, uh, damn, that's not good for the Rockies because they're actually looking at it not from a, an idiotic standpoint in that respect. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt momentarily for the D-backs that, they want to win in Goldschmidt's prime, and we saw that, especially Rockies fans, we have seen that you know, a prime of a star first baseman ruined by not putting anything around him. We saw that with Todd Helton up until the end of his career in 2007. So well, we've seen the other way, and so if we want to see a team actually going for it with a star first baseman, the D-backs, I think, are doing that right now, so good for them. Todd Helton, um, even when the Rockies were competitive, that's the thing that was kind of the the irony and what was so awful was I mean obviously 2009 was a, a very good season for Todd Helton the OPS 904 that season played in 151 games but the 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 later stages of his career when the Rockies were a better team he was at not his worst but was certainly approaching that. It wasn't like the Rockies built around Todd Helton in that stretch from 2000 to 2004 when he was an all-star for five straight years, finished in the top ten in MVP voting three times, uh, three gold gloves, four silver sluggers. That was the window, and those were – and to be fair, they tried it in 2001. I mean, that, that was the Hampton-Nagel year, but it was such a different era. This is – we have seen teams go – all their chips into the middle of the table over the last couple of off seasons. Now it hasn't worked. Didn't work for the Padres. Didn't work for the White Sox. Didn't work for, as people pointed out yesterday to us on Twitter, the Marlins in 2012. So the team that wins the off season, I think rarely finds itself in that conversation uh, toward the next year. I mean, remember the, the off season when the angels got poo holes and they had Josh Hamilton coming in the next year. And it was like, that team looked like they were just going to roll the American league West forever. Uh, the Mariners go out and get Robinson Cano. They haven't made a postseason since uh, it's only been two seasons, obviously, but they, uh, you know, going through a front office change again this year. It is so different in baseball to put together a roster via big moves and make it work out for 162 games. You right. can do it in other sports, um, and the NFL obviously comes to mind. You can throw a lot of money at a certain amount of guys who are in big impact positions and make it work a little bit better than over the course of six continuous months. It's just yeah. difficult to do that. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And <laughs> You know, we saw what happened with the Royals the last couple of years. We saw the Royals make a run to the to the World Series in 2014. We saw them just come to the postseason this year to the World Series and put on a show unlike any that I have seen in in baseball. It wasn't, you know, mashing home runs. It wasn't striking out 20 batters a game. It was just a relentless contact approach, and to go along with a lights out bullpen. And guys are trying to emulate that now. But it wasn't like that team got together immediately. And all of a sudden, they were winning 90 games a year. With that core of guys up in the big leagues were bad for a couple of seasons, three seasons at least. And then they started to take the next step one year in 2000, what would have been 13. 
they won 85 games or whatever. And then last year and then or 2014, then the, uh, then last year, we saw what happened there. It's not like it's an instantaneous thing where you put, they put all those guys together, the Hosmers, the Mustakases, the Gordons, and all of a sudden they were this, you know, juggernaut in the American League. No, it took a few years. So even then, when you see a guy, team that win the World Series the same way the Royals did, it wasn't something that happened right away. It needed to take time. It needed to, to gel. They need to find the right pieces to go along with that core. And that's what teams are always trying to do is find the right extraneous pieces to go along with your core group of guys you think can carry you to the playoffs. Man, the teams that have built the most sustainable success in recent seasons have done it via the model of building from inside. The Astros, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Rangers to a certain extent. I mean, you look at the big acquisitions the Rangers have made, but the Rangers have also had massive contributions from guys that they have developed. Uh, The Royals obviously are that way. The Mets are that way. The Cardinals are that way. I mean, the Cardinals can throw money around. Um, The Dodgers are probably the exception. The Dodgers are that team that you look at as the early 2000s model of let's just go out, buy as much talent as we can. But the thing that's crazy about the Dodgers is their minor league system is loaded, and now they have a front office that is very, very adept at using that sort of talent. Um, So even though they are kind of the exception to the rule, they still have that same type of core of these other teams who have been so immensely successful in recent seasons. That is where... I think the the roads diverge on how successful an approach like the D-backs is going to be because we have not seen this really work out in the past. I mean, I think the Diamondbacks, you know, we're trying to recreate the Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling era and get a couple of dominant guys to put at the top of the rotation. That's great. That's fine. But it hasn't worked out that much. It really has not worked out as often as the sustainable developmental player development plans that have made franchises so successful. Well, and it hasn't always been the teams with the best rotations going into the year that have done well even to get into the postseason. Ask the Washington Nationals. Ask the Cleveland Indians. Those those were hot teams last year going into 2015 because they had the best pitching staff. Ask the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, where did those teams end up? Not not, Not in October. That's where they ended up. So, you know, the, the Royals didn't have an ace. The Royals had a great bullpen and some decent starters. They had decent guys, but they were able to shorten games, and that's the difference. So, I mean, again, it's we. I think, I think we're all in a a certain funk right now when it comes to the Rockies because you look around the division and think, like, man, this team is never going to be able to compete. Um, and you know, I I think 2016 is very much a long shot now. I think everybody would agree with that. But but I think it was anyway. Right, right. And let's, that being let's said, not kid ourselves here. I still like the Rockies style plan because it follows the path of the franchises that have been most successful. Um, that's what I like about it. I like and and our good pal Connor Farrell at Rockies versus Connor tweeted today that the worst thing that the Rockies could do right now. And let me find his actual uh, quote, because that is the. It's the way that he put it that kind of hits the nail on the head. The worst thing the Rockies could do at this point is basically panic, seeing how everybody else is going in the division and try to make massive moves just to compete in that area. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. If you have a plan, you got to stick to the plan. You can't just go out, yeah. oh, God, everybody else is acquiring a pitcher. Let's just get C.J. Wilson for something. Like, no, no, stick I mean, to it. Look at the Braves' plan. Everyone was just – just ripping just mercilessly on what the Braves were doing over the last couple of years. They jettisoned pretty much everybody except for Freddie Freeman. 
off of that team. But you look at their roster now, and you look at their farm system right now, a farm system that was absolutely barren a couple of years ago. And now they just landed, well, three of the Diamondbacks' first-round picks over the last three years. So ridiculous. In addition to the number one overall pick of this past season, a shortstop that is a college guy who could make a very quick run through a minor league system. And that allowed them to trade off Andrelton Simmons, who is considered one of the best defensive shortstops in all of baseball. So you look at what that team has done. Like It was a long con that the Braves put on. Yeah. And right now, they look very, very poised going forward when their new ballpark opens in 2017 to have a fairly decent team put out on that field. Or at the very least, 2018, and they have, can get back to being competitive again. But it's that's the thing. It's about trusting your process, whatever your process may be. I am at a point right now where I, I'm just the the Diamondbacks thing. At least is exciting in that it makes the NL West a bit more interesting instead of just well we know the Dodgers are more than likely going to win the division it's an even year so the Giants are going to win the World Series nobody knows yeah. what to expect from the Padres and the Rockies and Diamondbacks are terrible at least now there's another storyline going into this division in this season now that being said i mean do you think that this makes the Diamondbacks a legit contender because where where i see a difference is the Diamondbacks seem like they've made moves that are much more suited to being actually competitive. Now, losing Ender Inciarte, I think, hurts. I think that hurts as much at the major league level right now as losing Dansby Swanson will hurt down the road. But these moves seem to make a lot more sense than what the Padres did last year, where it was just like, let's go out and acquire every big name we possibly can. These seem like they have a bit more thought behind them. That being said, I think they gave up way too much for Shelby Miller. Um, oh, yeah. So, if this doesn't work the, out in 2016 or 2017, you yeah, then... you give that package up to Jose Fernandez, not right, for Shelby Miller. Right, opinion, exactly. But... So, I mean, I don't know if this makes them a contender for... I don't think they're a better team than the Dodgers right now. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fairly close. I think their rotation's better than the Dodgers right now. I think that's that's pretty easy to say. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like their bullpen, especially in the back end. You saw Brad Ziegler closing games, more than likely, and there's really not a lot of really good guys maybe next to to Daniel Hudson maybe who can really get guys out consistently leading up to that bridge between the starting rotation and Brad Ziegler in the ninth who's been very good the last couple of seasons so I think that you know Wellington Castillo was very good as a catcher last year coming over from Seattle but is he your number one guy every day the infield is still very weak with the exception of Goldschmidt obviously they're just going to be starting Chris Owings, Nick Ahmed, Jake Lamb at third base. Like, that's that's a pretty weak hitting infield with the exception of Goldschmidt, obviously. And then your outfield is what, Tomas, Peralta, and Pollock. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a pretty good outfield. I think you can deal with that. But I think they definitely have holes. There's, there's no doubt about that. So uh, I think they are a contender right now. That They have to be. I mean, I, I think it's – you look at the, the pitching staff they can throw in there. I know we just mentioned that, well, pitching staffs don't necessarily mean they're going to be in the playoffs. They don't. But they give yourself a pretty good shot. And I think Shelby Miller is going to regress coming in from Atlanta into Arizona for sure. I think Zach Granke will do the same. But Zach Granke is a, a good enough pitcher anyway. Shelby Miller, I, I'd like to see it for another year in Arizona before I'm totally sold on it. And I think that the bill of goods that they gave up for Shelby Miller is, was absurd. Uh, I think that was I, – I think they could have gotten somebody even better like Danny Salazar from Cleveland or, or Carlos Carrasco or something like that from – 
from the Indians for that same package and gotten a better pitcher with stuff that'll play better, I think, in Arizona. You know, Salazar and Carrasco have strikeout stuff. Miller doesn't really strike out a batter per inning. He's not really that kind of guy. And now he's going into Arizona where the ball carries very well. It's a small ballpark. And I, I think he'll struggle. I think he'll still be pretty good, but I think he'll he'll struggle comparatively to what he did in, Arizona, in Atlanta this year. I It's going to be fun to watch the way that that team – it comes together because I, I don't think that they have put themselves in a circumstance like the Padres did last year where it was just you're throwing a ton of different pieces into one big stew and seeing if it'll work, which it didn't in San Diego. I They're a lot more, I think as of right now, intelligently built um, than what we saw last season from the Padres. But, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I see it all coming together. Um, let's – on that note, um, I guess now we should turn our focus to what the Rockies have done and have not done. They have obviously not done a ton. They made the two signings yesterday with uh, with Jason Mott and Chad Qualls. Today now, the stories are starting to come out about Cargo, yes. um, that he is a trade candidate, his name is getting out there, um, and there are a lot of teams interested. What worries me, the the Angels being in this discussion – uh, because they have nothing in that farm system, especially after the deal to get Andrelton Simmons, and the Giants being in this discussion because they have nothing in that farm system, and why would you want to trade Cargo in the division and see him yes. 18 times a year? So at this point, the Royals are out there, the Cardinals are out there, the Baltimore Orioles are out there. Um, I don't know. Do you – you know, it's the same question that we've been asking for God knows how long. Do you <laughs> see him in a Rockies uniform at opening day 2016? I, if there are deals going out there and guys are giving up prospects the same way the D-backs are, I'm, I'm not sure anybody is because the D-backs are more adept at giving up their prospects than probably any other team in baseball right now. Uh, if there are those kind of deals out there and offers for someone like Carlos Gonzalez, I don't know how you don't try to pull the trigger on it, especially considering what we've seen from the, the Giants, Dodgers, and D-backs over the last couple of weeks. They really, really are trying to contend this year. The Rockies have always said 2017 is going to be there for, or at least they've inferred that 2017 is always going to be their first year of, of contending again. Now they want to try to take steps this year, of course, and maybe get some of their big time prospects up in the big leagues, get them some experience. But they look at 2017 as being the year that they can really do some damage in the NL West. So that being said, I think if they can get a haul the same way that, you know, they did for Shelby, the same of the Braves did for Shelby Miller, they have to try to pull the trigger on that. I mean, Cargo's owed $37 million over the next two years before he'll qualify for free agency. You know, when you're, you're not paying him a ton of money comparatively. The Rockies haven't payroll over $100 million. They're not paying anybody else an exorbitant amount of money right now, unless they want to try to lock up Nolan Arenado fairly soon. So, I don't know. If it doesn't happen in the next couple of days, I'd be more inclined to say he's going to start in Denver next year because he's not a free agent this year. They have time to trade him at the deadline next year. If they don't get the right deal right now, they don't have to deal him right now at all. And that's, that's the biggest difference. I think it's not like he's going into his walk here. They still have two more seasons of paying him. They can maybe get a better deal at the deadline next year when they'll likely be out of it. And other teams will be needing a, a bat like cargo. We saw how many teams could have used a bat like cargo this year at the trade deadline and they didn't pull the trigger. So maybe they'll up their offers this year, but right now we really don't have a, body of work to judge Jeff Breidich on yet. And we, we have the Tulo trade, and that's pretty much it. And that's we only saw the, the initial beginnings of that over 
you know, the last month or so of the season with Castro and Greg and, and you know, and Hoffman in the, in the minor leagues too. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, if it doesn't happen in the next two days, I see him beginning the year in Denver next year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so, I said this in a, a radio interview the other day. I think all of us have been very patient with Jeff Breidich, deservedly so, because that's what it takes in baseball. But seeing all the moves around the division definitely make you think, okay, it's time to put the, it's time to take the training wheels off because the Rockies need to, if you're going to be serious about this rebuilding effort, I think you need to go one way or another on cargo. Is he the guy that you're trying to build around or is he the guy that you're going to spin to try to add even more pieces to what this rebuilding effort is going to look like? I mean, I really don't see them trying to build around Carlos Gonzalez at this point. No, That's nothing. No, no offense to Carlos Gonzalez. No, not at all. He's a little bit older, and and I think at this point we've we've tried to make the team good with cargo on it, and he's been good, but the team really hasn't. And so I think coming off his first forty home run season of his career, drove a ninety seven, you know, OPS over eight fifty. I think this would be the time to strike when the iron is hot because you never know with Carlos Gonzalez when he could get hurt again, and that's the sad fact. But he played the most games of his career last year, 153, and, that, and that's that's fact. So if you want to try to say, like, oh, no, he was healthy this last year, hit 40 home runs, you saw what he can do when he plays an entire season, then sell it like that. And I'm sure they're trying, of course, but you don't want to trade him just to trade him. You don't want to trade him straight up for C.J. Wilson. That would be a disaster. C.J. Wilson's not good. Yeah, and there's nothing in that system. Wait, I... Ironically, I mean, C.J. Wilson would be a terrible, like, straight-up trade acquisition. But I think, ironically, what you could look at as being a potential return for Cargo is similar to what the Angels gave up for Andrelton Simmons. They gave up their top two pitching prospects and Eric Ibar and Cash. Um, I don't know if the Rockies would have to eat some of Cargo's deal to move him. I don't know what the, the package would end up being, but... That seems to be, if I'm looking at this from the Rockies' perspective, if you can go out and acquire three ranked prospects, including two top ten prospects from an, an organization as the Rockies did in the Tulo deal, getting Jeff Hoffman, Miguel Castro, and Jesus Tinoco, and then you can go out and acquire two more from another organization, then you throw them on top of the guys who are already in your system, who are already either at the major league level and making an impact or going to be there soon, guys like John Gray, guys like Kyle Freeland, then I think what you've done is you've finally, maybe for the first time in franchise history, you've spun the numbers game around in which it looks like you actually have enough depth. You can throw as many darts at the wall as possible, and some of them are actually going to stick. In the past, it's been like the Rockies have been – trying to make fire with, like, you know, flint and stone. And every once in a while, like, you work for just hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And every once in a while, you get a spark that will start a fire. Now it looks like the Rockies actually have, like, a matchbook. And then it rains, book. and then you have to start right, over. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. It turns into Ubaldo. Um, yeah. and, but it looks like right now the Rockies, like, actually maybe have, like, a matchbook. And that, yeah. I don't think we've ever felt that way about this this team in terms of its pitching depth. No, and and this is a moment for the Rockies right now that they really don't need to overreact, and and I think that that's the point we we're trying to make before. They don't need to overreact, or they should not overreact right now because I think if they do, it'll set their process back a couple of years, and that's a problem. I agree, completely agree. We got to stop agreeing on this podcast. Um, all right, should we dive into some ass PDPs? 
Let's do it. Okay. Um, before we get into Ask PDPs, we are going to uh, play a, a very first and very special example of something that we're going to do for the PDP Christmas Spectacular, which will be coming up before Christmas. Uh, we tweeted this out yesterday. Which will be coming out in February. Which will be coming out sometime next summer. We <laughs> tweeted this out in February. Or in, in February. We tweeted this out in February. Tweeted this out last night. What we want you to do, go to your phone. If you have an iPhone like a normal human being or if you have an Android like one of those counterculture weirdos, go to your phone, record a voice memo, keep it to like one or two minutes, and give us your favorite moment of being a Rockies fan. Uh, and send it our way, purpledinosaurpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to put together a whole segment of those coming up. Uh, I guess it probably would have been better suited for Thanksgiving, giving thanks, whatever. Uh, but we're going to put it together for Christmas and uh, give us, you know, if it's your favorite game, your favorite memory with a parent, your favorite memory with a friend, whatever it is, tell us what your favorite memory is. And to get us started, we've got our first one for this episode. Before we dive into Ask PDP, we are going to go to the the number one of these uh, moments of PDP fandom and Rockies fandom, which we'll be having coming up. Danielle Jeffries, whose idea this was, sent us this memory to get us started. So my favorite Rockies memory comes not from Coors Field or a game anywhere else, but uh, from the New York City subway. It was 2008. I was living in New York. We were just coming off of 2007 obviously the greatest season that any Rockies fan has ever experienced and will ever experience in the future. Um, it was mid-season, probably mid-July. The Rockies were getting ready to start a weekend series against the Mets to be played at good old Shea Stadium. And as of, co- of course, as one of the three Rockies fans living in New York, I had tickets to all three games for that series. It was Friday afternoon. I left work early. Tried to get to the stadium six hours before the game started, of course, to show my support. Sitting along the third base dugout, had my Todd Helton jersey in my bag, and I was on my way to Shea. Standing in Grand Central Station on the platform, waiting to transfer to the 7 train to go out there. And of course, as any New Yorker, I was in my own world. I wasn't paying attention to anyone around me or anything around me, just waiting to get there. I happen to look up, and I see this guy walking toward me down the platform, single file, with presumably several other guys behind him. And I thought to myself, man, that guy looks a lot like Jeff Francis. The guy turns, goes down a set of stairs, and the guy behind him, I thought, man, that guy looks a lot like Chris Iannetta. The Chris Iannetta lookalike turns, follows the Jeff Francis lookalike down the stairs. The guy behind him, I thought, man, Taylor Buckles lookalike. And the guy behind him looks like Seth Smith. Suddenly I realized these aren't lookalikes, these are those guys. So it took me a moment to figure out what I was going to do, and of course, the only logical thing to do would be to run after them. So I raced down the stairs, the staircase that they went down, it was down into the, to get to the 7 train, and catch up to them, and the four of them had stopped in the middle of the tunnel. And I, had, at that point, hadn't figured out the first thing that I was going to say to them, so naturally, I just walked past them. Got a little ways down the tunnel, gathered my thoughts, figured out the best thing to say to them. Turn around, walk back to them. They're still standing there in a group. Jeff Francis, Taylor Buckles, Chris Iannetta, Seth Smith, perennial stars of the 2008 Colorado Rockies. I walk right up to them, just out of the blue say, I can't believe I ran into you guys. 
Obviously, that makes perfect sense. Strangers, they have no idea who I am. Jeff Francis looks at me like I'm a complete moron. The others look at me like, have we met you? Do we know you somewhere? And of course, I had to cover my tracks immediately. And I said, no, 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 you guys don't know me. I'm just, I'm a huge Rockies fan. I'm from Colorado. I live here now. Can't wait to see you play this weekend. I'll be at all three games. Woohoo. And I think it was Chris Iannetta goes, okay, you better cheer pretty loud. And following suit, I said, okay, see you later. And turned and walked away. And that was my proud moment with those guys and uh, probably the best Rockies member I have off the field for sure. And maybe even on the field. So there you have it. So go on, find your own stories. Uh, You know, listen, maybe you'll meet some Rockies players on a subway train. Uh, It could happen. Um, And give us your your best moment. I know I have several of them. We'll get to those later on. Um, but it's just a way that at this point in the off season, you know, everything, everything in the world has been so goddamn terrible lately. Just, just horrific and awful. That like, Uh, it it felt, it felt so good last night for all of us to be freaking out about sports at the same time. You know what I mean? It was weird because on, on my travels everywhere that I went, whether it be, you know, especially for, for Long Beach State basketball, actually, whether it be Charleston or Stillwater, everything has like city strong because they're trying to get over some horrific incident yeah. that happened to them in the last six months. It's yeah. just like, oh, God, Stillwater, everything. I didn't even think about that. Stillwater, Charleston, like Ugh. it's oh, it's just awful. Like the, the world sucks. The life, life sucks lately. Life man. Sucks. Like The world is awful <laughs> lately. So yeah. let's like try to step out of that for a little while and have some fun with this. Um, so send those our way. Again, just record one to two minutes. You want to go a little bit longer, go a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, go a little bit shorter. Uh, Purple Dinosaur Podcast at gmail.com. We'll put together as many of them as we get, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. Uh, but before we uh, dive into that, which is coming up in a couple weeks, we've got an episode number 62 edition of... By the way, we never Ask said PDP. who this episode was. No, we didn't, actually. Who is this episode? Well, we have four options. We're really getting low on options here, yeah. let's be perfectly honest. We're running, uh, 62, we're we have Gonzalez German, not German Gonzalez, from this year. Jorge Rondon from 2015. Rob Scahill, 2012-2014, Jonathan Herrera for one year in 2008, and then Marcos Carvajal in 2005. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, uh, Scahill's got to be it, right? I guess it's got to be Scahill. <laughs> or at the point now where it's like none of them even stand out. It's just like a whole bunch of guys that we had forgotten about. Yep. Why not? Scahill, when it went to the Pirates, he's made the, the playoffs the last couple of years. Yeah, why not? That'll work. Let's go with Scahill. Sure. That's Why right. not? Congratulations, Rob Scahill. Congratulations, you, Rob. Episode you number 62 of the Purple Dinosaur Honorary podcast. name of a podcast that you probably don't listen to. Probably. Possibly. You Maybe. might. It's a marginal chance he doesn't listen to it. Um, okay, let's go. Ask PDP. Uh, so we had uh, – let's get to our good pal Will first. Um, Will C, who you can follow on Twitter. He is at Will underscore E underscore 777. Uh, he asked – Who's the most likely trade partner for Carlos Gonzalez? And when did Dusty Baker take over the moniker of baseball's crankiest, bigoted old man? Oh, boy. Uh, man, Dusty had a, a hell of a press conference yesterday. Yeah, that was something. Oh, my goodness. That was something. Dusty Baker um, has gone from ruining pitchers to victim-blaming in domestic violence circumstances. So, like, cool. <sighs> All right. No, it, it, you, like, the, when the least crazy thing that he said at the press conference – 
was, yeah, we should probably sign some Latin and, Afri- and African-American guys because they're faster. That's the least crazy thing he Whoa. said at that press conference. You're just like, what? How? <laughs> what is what? All right, Dusty. No. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was really something. Dusty Baker, yeah, just really not a likable dude. You know, just, just like really not. I mean, but that's the problem is he is likable, and that's the thing. Well, yeah, I guess like, in in the game of baseball, yeah, he's charismatic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a way to he'll give you he'll give you good answers. And man, he gave a lot of really bad answers, but it was great for the media members that were sitting around there that the Nationals already had to release a statement after that yesterday afternoon saying, man, Dusty didn't mean it. He was here clarifying his comments. Only Dusty Baker and only the Nationals. <laughs> only the Nationals could find themselves in a circumstance where a manager is ruining things before the before his first calendar year with his new franchise. Like He's been there a month. Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't yeah. even had to deal with the Harper Papelbon circus yet. So that's fun. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into Will's other question. Most likely landing spot for cargo. Man, it's gonna have to be somebody with minor league prospects who are somewhat ready to go in a decent system. Because I really don't think Bridich is dumb enough to trade him for a generic starting pitcher like C.J. Wilson, who will have no bearing whatsoever on the Rockies going down the road. Now, if it's just a salary dump and he's being instructed to do that and on Dick Monfort or by Dick Monfort, then we have other problems because it's not brightest. Then it's still the Monforts, you know, meddling, and that's never going to be a good look for the Rockies. But man, somebody with good starting pitching prospects as well, even somebody like the Cardinals, I mean, would be a good fit. They they're yep. looking for an outfielder with Jason Hayward more than likely leaving in free agency. They have pitchers who are young, controllable and ready to go. Like someone like Anthony Reyes or Carlos Martinez, um, Marco Gonzalez, even, you know, the former, uh, he's a Denver area guy, right? Uh, yeah. Fort Collins guy. Yeah. 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 That so, actually, I mean that w- the Cardinals would be a good fit. Yes. Yes. If I had to pick an ideal trade scenario for the Rockies, this is, extraordinarily unlikely but i think possible alex reyes who was the top prospect in the cardinal system i call him anthony reyes yeah 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 but it's fine fine. uh marco gonzalez is their number three is a colorado area guy grew up a rockies fan be a great story those two guys and i don't know somebody else throwing somebody else i mean similarly to what the angels did with eric ibar going to atlanta the other way Um, or the mets the mets if they want to unload some of their young talented starting pitching Man, that'd be nice. Be fine with that. Getting, getting, getting Zach Wheeler coming back here with maybe, you know, Brandon Nemo. But that was one of those those hilarious trade opportunities that were given out, the, the trade scenarios. If it was Zach Wheeler and Brandon Nemo for cargo, I, yeah. I'd be hard-pressed not to yeah, take to that turn one. turn that deal down. Honest. Oof. I, I, yeah. I love Brandon Nemo, not just the Wyoming connection, but just he's turned himself into one of the better prospects in the Mets system and probably make his major league debut next year. He's about ready. He was a Futures game participant this year. And getting someone like Zach Wheeler, who was having a, a phenomenal career before he missed last year with Tommy John surgery, he'll be back ready to go this year. So if if that trade possibility comes onto the horizon, I think that'd be very, very difficult to turn down. If the Rockies make a trade with the Giants or Angels, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because there's nobody yes. in that system who's worth There's nobody in either of those systems who's really worth it, who's really worth a cargo trade. The Giants have a little bit better system, and the Giants are in the division, so why in the hell would you want to trade cargo? Why would you in ever want to do that? Yeah. 
So those I don't like at all. The Royals have given up a lot of their top arms uh, in recent seasons. Sean Manaya is gone. Obviously, he's probably the biggest one um, over the last couple of seasons, but Brandon Finnegan also gone. Um, so that system is not as attractive to me. Uh, but the Alex Reyes thing, man, Reyes is the exact profile of the guys the Rockies have started to acquire, uh, can reach triple digits pretty easily with his fastball. His curveball is ridiculous. Now he is going to be suspended for 50 games this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with, it's a little thing there. It's a yeah. marijuana thing. Um, he came out and admitted it immediately, apologized for it. Um, you know, you can, I guess, say what you will about guys who is it a judgment calls it whatever. But the people that I've talked to, even in the Cardinal system, nobody's worried about Alex Reyes. He's not a it's not a character issue sort of thing. Um, that would be my ideal. If you could somehow pry Alex Reyes and Marco Gonzalez from the Cardinals in exchange for cargo, man, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would absolutely. be a lot of fun. Talk about making a splash. Um, Plus, did you know the weed's legal in Colorado? I didn't what? Know I know, right? Really? Huh. Yeah. Who knew? That's Shocking, crazy. huh? Um, okay, Thomas Norwood sent in, our good pal Tom Norwood sent in a handful of questions. I'm going to pick out uh, a couple of them. He has one in 1A. How long will it take for us to give up on the Rockies season? 1A, will I make it to opening day before I give up? <laughs> you could always make it to opening day, Thomas. Yeah. Um, is there any team dumb enough to take Jose Reyes from the Rockies? And... Is there anyone who you would be interested in targeting in a trade? Well, I gave you mine because I'd be really interested in targeting Alex Reyes. Um, is there any team dumb enough to take Jose Reyes? No. No, no not right now, no. no. They're definitely not. He's Absolutely a, not. We are toxic, stuck with him. Toxic yeah. asset. We are stuck with Jose Reyes unless they just cut bait and release him, which probably will not is, happen. Yeah, and is sadly he is probably the best option at this point, and yeah. it probably won't happen. Um, so – how long will it take for everyone to give up on, on the Rockies season? I think they'll be around 500 in April. Like they always are. Yeah. <laughs> I think April, it'll take, April will be yeah. right. I think, I think let's have, my birth, let's have my birthday rolls around on May 11th. Yes. Okay. That was a hint. Tyler. Okay. Oh, okay. Just trying to get me to get you. Some... Also, can we talk about how there's a new ask PDP now and it's all French people? Yeah. Yeah. What is that all about? Um, from Powell, our friend Paul Aushan, hashtag AskPDP, bonjour. That's that, all it says. That was it? That's all it says. It's just AskPDP and he says hello. Yep. Well, that doesn't help. Thanks, Paul. We've had, oh, it's another uh, podcast this no, week. His, his next, his next question was, et tu gay? Okay. So, so Paul and, seems like a nice guy. And you gay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we're, we're going through a lot of different, uh, <laughs> different questions here hashtags we should probably just get a new hashtag at this no point. more i know we probably should i guess somebody uh somebody <laughs> tweeted at us and asked if we could do dinger droppings D dino Shots. droppings dino yeah. droppings okay yeah. um d just dino some. dino droppings droppings dino dropping um droppings. yeah no we're done with uh we're done with nigerian democracy questions and now it yeah. is a um, we have oh, more followers yeah. than this other one. It's at podcast underscore D E underscore P U B. And the name is critique de pub. Uh, I don't There's know. There's a lot of people crying on it. Yeah. It seems very strange. Um, they only have 565 followers <laughs> and it's all in French. So I think we lay claim to the, the hashtag, but anyway, neither here nor there. Um, yes. so yeah, no, I mean, I think it'll probably follow much the same path is last season in which you think like hey man maybe they can make something interesting of this and then they will just not but i think it, it's important to get some of your, your big prospects some experience next year that, that's the most important thing i think 
I mean, you, you want to see. I think Kyle you, Freeland will be in the rotation by the end of the year. <laughs> Are those by the beginning Bold of prediction. last year? Bold prediction. Yeah. No, I think it'll be, you're going to see Hoffman, you're going to see, I mean, maybe Freeland, who knows, by the end of the year. You're going to see, hopefully, Dahl, McMahon by the end of the year, Tapia, if things go well. Um, so I, I think you're going to be seeing the fruits of your labors finally come to develop in the big leagues. And I think once that actually happens, then we can start making our predictions going forward about when this team can finally contend again. But yeah, I'd be very surprised if we last until... June this year considering you just kind of want like one moment in the sun you know yeah, like but, even if it's, it's just it's, like oh look at this huge cargo trade the Rockies are the talk of the winter meetings at least it's like um just so we need attention so badly you know what I mean yeah Ugh. um our our real good pal Hayden Kane asked a question that we talked about earlier so Hayden's question we should give partial credit to being uh, one of our earlier topics do you think the Diamondbacks are a real threat in the NL West or are they going to be Padres version 2016 the 2015 Padres I really do think they are but I think uh, I think that the Padres last year made a lot of moves for the sake of making moves yeah that's what the Padres really improve their team and I think a lot you know when when the Kimbrel trade was made prior to the eve or to the eve of uh, opening day last year, the Padres were a twenty to one favorite to win the World Series. They had the fifth best odds of anybody in the National League. So basically, they were the second wild card spot odds to win the World Series that last year when the season started. So you know, because people people got on me yesterday for saying that people like the Padres' moves. People did like the Padres' moves when they happened because they got a lot of talent. They improved their offense markedly with Kemp and Upton and Will Myers. Um, they, they got Kimbrell along with James Shields. So everyone thought, well, you know, they've got pieces, but they didn't really address the, the problems that their team had. And even if they did with the offense, their offense this year wasn't much better than it was the year before. And they putting, they were putting a lot of guys who can't play defense in that cavernous outfield at Petco Park. And it just, it did not work at all. I think they just made moves for the sake of making moves. And that's the trap that Jeff Bradish has to make sure he doesn't fall into. And I think it was a very good cautionary tale to see what AJ Preller did last year and how the Padre season unfolded is to see that you really don't want to have that be your, your mark that you make in major league baseball. Preller was a talk of the off season last year. Everybody loved AJ Preller. He was making moves every 20 minutes. It seemed like at the winter meetings last year yeah. and then obviously going forward, but then the Padres flamed out spectacularly. So, you don't want to be that guy who just does things to appease a fan base who wants him to do things. You actually improve your team when you make moves like this. So that's where Brightish needs to go right now. But I think the D-backs did address need. They had okay starting pitching last year, but they definitely needed an improvement. They got Patrick Corbin back. He is going to be healthy all year. They only had him for the last, what, two months of the season this past year. So they they shorted their rotation, which is one of their worst assets last year. They got Granky. They got Corbin. They got Millers. They're one, two, three now. You know, they still have three really good pieces offensively in Goldschmidt, Pollock, and Peralta. It's a matter of filling in the rest of the lineup. That, that's where they need to go right now because they, they still have holes in the back end of the bullpen. They still have holes around offensively around the rest of the infield. So, you know, they're not ready to, to go yet, but I think they addressed a serious need that they had last year with those two signings or the signing in the trade. So uh, I think, yeah, I think they did improve their team 
in a very, very large way. And I think they're going to be much, much improved next year. I got a text from a scout last night when uh, just was bouncing some questions off of him about uh, this whole deal, especially with Dansby Swanson going the other way. And he said baseball people last year, a lot of baseball people didn't like what San Diego was doing because it seemed like they just wiped out talent with the express goal of getting way more expensive and way older. What the Diamondbacks have done is they haven't really um, – they've gotten more expensive, obviously, because of the Granky deal. But until last night, they hadn't given up gobs of talent in order to get considerably better at the major league level. Now, it looks a little bit different after that deal last night. But at the same time, Dansby Swanson wasn't going to contribute in 2016 to the major league team. Uh, Aaron Blair, you could make the argument was going to, but you're acquiring a better version probably of what Aaron Blair is going to be in getting Shelby Miller. So I think that's what people really like is that it's not just, like you said, it's not just making moves for the sake of making moves. There seems to be some thought behind these Diamondbacks moves, which is a little bit strange because they have seemed in no way like they've given thought to a lot of other moves like the Tukey Toussaint deal last year, um, which we tried to get Tukey on for uh, an interview with the, the minor league podcast. And his agent basically told us like, yeah, he'd be happy to do it. He doesn't want to talk about the trade though. And last <laughs> night he tweeted um, after that trade went down, he tweeted at Dansby Swanson and Aaron Blair, just that like very deer in headlights emoji face. Huh. Um, and that, uh, I think speaks volumes. So yeah. I don't know this. It's not, to me, it's not going to be the Padres. Uh, I think they will be a lot more competitive in 2016 than the Padres were in 2015, but I'm also not sure if the Diamondbacks are done. If we see the Diamondbacks continue to go out and make crazy moves, then maybe they do turn into kind of a, a Padres 2015 Marlins 2012 sort of thing. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, let's pick a couple of questions out from uh, – uh, where are we going to go to next? We'll go to our good pal Jason Booker. Number one, is Pete Rose ever going to be on the show? I don't think so. You're terrible. Number two, <laughs> when are the new shirts coming out? Uh, we do have new shirts um, yeah. in, in the design process with Humble Monster. Um, they will be, uh, more than likely, I would say probably a spring training venture. So, uh, you can still, by the way, go yeah. to humblemonster.com and buy your own purple dinosaur podcast. Christmas is Christmas. coming guys. Christmas Come is on. nearly here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Humble Monster got a lot of good, other good stuff. They have, uh, ironic holiday cards on Humble Monster this year, including a Festivus card. So you might want to get on that one, Tyler. Yeah. Hell yeah. That sounds amazing. There's also a Festivus Pandora station, which I have not tried yet. I don't really know what Festivus music is. But that was uh, that was a thing that happened. Uh, Hayden had another question, by the way. Hayden Kane at HW Kane. Uh, what does Colin Coward look like without makeup on? Honestly, the same as he does with makeup on. He's one of those guys. Just okay. doesn't really. Just kind of comes in and just says, you know, does his job. He's not one of those people who post the pictures on social media of like the the mass transformation. The mass oh no, he 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 really he hates everybody on social media. So oh, I could believe that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems like he hates a lot of people. Period. Although, to be fair, I hate pretty much everybody on social media, especially yeah. you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're just jealous of my newfound success. By the way, I'm like, I'm keeping seven minutes of my fame now. I'm going to have seven minutes again in a couple of, of months, and then I'm going to keep like one minute of my 15 minutes of fame to just go out with a bang. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but we'll see. I don't like the way that sounds. It sounds dangerous, actually. Mm-hmm. That's me, baby. Danger. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, our, 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 
one of our favorite human beings on all the planet. We talk about how we hate people on social media, but then we talk about Chris Christman, who is one of the gentleman's gentlemen in the world, one of the greatest people, uh, yes. and tweeted and asked us today, quote, do the Rockies represent Sartre's view that loneliness creates obligation or Camus' view that despair is inevitable? And I retweeted that today and said yes. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I concur. I think if I had to go with either, uh, I would probably say they're more of the the Albert Camus line that despair is inevitable because you go into it knowing, well, this is just going to enrage me. Well, like you but, can't you can't go into a Rockies fan to being like, hey man, maybe you never know they could they could surprise people. Like, no, no, like, no. you've got to go into it knowing that it's it's gonna be horrible. I mean, I, I believe that loneliness actually creates obligation because otherwise there would be no Rockies Twitter. Now that is true. That is a very that's a very astute point. Because we're just sitting there, sad, depressed, angry, and then we're like, you know what? I bet somebody else around here is sad, depressed, and angry. For the same reason. Let's find out. And that's how Rocky's Twitter was started. And uh, in addition to Rocky's Twitter, by the way, we need to offer some big congratulations to uh, Julian Valentin and the social media staff. Yes, we do. With the Colorado Rockies, because the Rockies today were tabbed the fifth best MLB Twitter feed. Which I think it's a little bit low. Yeah. Honest. The ones above them, the Mariners' feed is fantastic. When the, the Rockies Indians played in Seattle, amazing. yeah, the yeah. Indians are great. The Astros are really good. Um, the Giants, though, like I don't really, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of my feelings about the Giants as a. a I've never seen the Giants as being one of those teams that are no. really, really good. But no. like, I mean, I'm sure they are. Whatever, if they're on this list with the rest of those teams, they must be because those teams are really, really good at Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is amazing at Twitter. Um, the yeah. Mariners. The last year we tweeted about. Safeco Field didn't tag the Mariners, didn't anything, and the Mariners found it and responded to us. Yeah. I said, like, Safeco Field's a gem. You need to go there. And they responded and said, we agree. I was like, wait a minute. What are you just just trolling for people who say Safeco Field on Twitter? But so big congratulations to the Rocky social media staff. But I agree. They definitely earned it. Loneliness creates obligation because without it, Rocky's Twitter would not exist. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Chris. Yeah. We gave you a real answer, kind of. I agree. Um that's that's just about all for Ask BDP this week. We but did you know, um, Jack- one more thing. Let's speak of Julian Valentin. He's on Twitter right now and Nick, going back and forth with Nick Groke. And you know, Groke was saying congratulations to Julian. And Julian's you know he's he's playing the, the humble card. You know, he's saying rankings like this come out all the time and never really know how to pick them. Many teams do a great job, but it's still very cool nonetheless. Like Julian, give yourself a, a, a hand here. Yeah, man. You guys man. do an amazing job. Like Especially seriously, because a couple years ago, I think right before Julian took over, the Rockies were tabbed dead last by I think it was Fangraphs did social media rankings, and yeah. the Rockies were thirtieth. So to come from that to this is pretty awesome and a, a pretty huge I, – I think that Julian – I mean, knowing Julian a little bit, he's definitely that humble of a guy. It's not yeah. It's not fake humility, um, but he's no. he's awesome. That staff is awesome, so congratulations to them. They make the game so much fun, and usually yes. it's just all about sad, angry despair. But <laughs> they make games so much fun. So congratulations to the Rockies social media team. They have definitely earned it. And it's cool for the Rockies to give them the leash to go out and have oh, fun yeah. on social media. That's really Absolutely. cool, Absolutely. They, they can take chances. That they you know, they look, seems like they have their own umbrella that they're working on. So good for them. They did a theoretical um, Thanksgiving in cargo gifts uh, all day yes. on Thanksgiving. It was just various moments of a theoretical Thanksgiving as explained by gifts of cargo. 
I know it's GIF. Nobody wants to say GIF, nerds. It's not GIF, though. It's GIF. Because screw that. It should be. Um, Last one, Jack, at Jack Hayer says, quote, will Anthony look to restructure his contract now that he is a hotshot celebrity? That is correct. Um, I am already in negotiations with with, with Sony Pictures on Don't email him. It'll get hacked. Oh, no. We're doing this all. Good 2014 joke. Actually, I can look at my balcony and see the Sony Studios from here so i can just kind of look out there and you like work yell. on the sony lot right I, I don't i work on the fox lot oh the fox lot come on dude it's right come next on. to the sony lot though isn't it it is about three miles away is it really from each other. Oh, okay. yes when i was yeah. driving around with uh with the, the master tones lady when nicole and i were driving around we drove by the sony lot and for some reason i thought it was much closer you you walk out my apartment you Never go mind. left you get the sony lot in a mile and a half you walk out of my apartment go right you get the fox lot in two miles okay all right so there <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, but yes, we already have a, a multi-picture deal in the works. Um, I've already got a line of chewing gum out, and uh, you know what? I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a big year for for the Master Tones brand. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, our but, uh, our I'm, final I'm contract to, offer to you. A wild thing too, or wild thing in Major League Two right now. So our full Sorry. contract offer is uh, zero dollars a year. That's our final offer to you. So I'll take, take it. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Finally. Oh, man. I'm glad to have that behind us. Glad to have those negotiations behind us. Oh, well, I'm going to resent you forever now. <sighs> well, that's fine. For holding me over the coals. That's what growing up is all about. It's just learning the people that you want to resent and why. I thought that was just everyone. For as long as possible. Get excited. I resent, like, everybody. Get excited, Cam. This is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> 13 Oh, uh, Cam's going to be starting college soon. I know. Should we go to Cam's high school graduation? We probably should, right? We should, we should have gone to his prom. Oh, my God, that would have been amazing. No, prom's in the spring. We could still go to prom. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. We yeah. should go to prom. We should have like a PDP live from Cam's prom. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would oh, be amazing. We, we wouldn't get arrested or anything. No, just the two creepy old men hanging outside. <laughs> With microphones hey, and headsets Hey, do you guys know Cameron Goldner? He's really yes. cool. We like Cam a lot. Who are these old men? Um, <laughs> all right. He talks about the number 69 a lot, and this is nice. <laughs> Is there anything else we need to cover? What else do we need to cover? I don't think so. We are uh, we're a little rusty. I mean, it's been two months. We're we're getting back on the you know you take the off season, you get a little bit fatter, and then about this time, you know, it's like the holidays. You start thinking about getting back in the gym, getting ready for spring training. Absolutely, that's it. I can't wait. That's it. Right. Yeah, I guess that's I'll, all. I'll I'll be in Pepperdine tonight. Oh, cool. Long Beach State of Pepperdine. We actually have we've been like I so said we've been everywhere over the last few weeks uh, with Long Beach State, but then we. We have a week here, but then next week, next Friday, we go to Eugene to face the Ducks. The following Tuesday, we go to Arizona to play the Wildcats. And then okay. we have a pre- Christmas break off, and then we go to Duke to play the Blue Devils at Cameron Indoor. On wow, the first- that'll be fun. Yeah. You get to go call a game at Duke? Yeah, I called one at Pauley Pavilion this past Sunday. That'd be so, really cool. Knocking out Pauley Pavilion, McHale Center, and the Cameron Indoor in one year. That's fun. Yeah. That should be sweet. Yeah. Um. All right, Doug. Well, um. Until next week, when Pete Rose joins the show, it'll be Colin um, Cowherd actually. Oh, okay. Colin Cowherd joins the show. Uh, coming up next week. Uh, may not be next Colin week. Maybe the week now, after. Yeah. But we're gonna do uh, a Christmas we'll spectacular do a Christmas one. Yeah. again. Send us your voice memos or your notes. However, you can record one. Your favorite memory of being a Rockies fan. 
unless you're Craig Goldstein. Uh, Purple Dinosaur Podcast at gmail.com. We'll get those all in for the, the Christmas Spectacular. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Right? Absolutely. Till next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. We didn't even mention, like, all stories of us being on the road. We just kind of mentioned it. We didn't talk about it. But, like, we got an hour's worth of stuff. I know. pretty decent, so I it's know. fine. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't even, like, you know. I, don't even, I guess I could have told people I met uh, Matt McBride. He was very friendly. <laughs> Matt McBride? Cool. Like there you him. go. Um, I got to meet Marcus Stroman, work with Alex Rodriguez and Pete Rose. And Marcus Thomas. Stroman like, seems like a really cool dude. He is. He's awesome. He's super yeah. cool. He's, he's a cool ass guy. Um, Willie Randolph was a manager of that U.S. team. He talk about cool, like the yeah. It was like I did not feel cool enough to even approach Willie Randolph and talk to him. Well, you're not. That's why. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.